It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome on into another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. And I don't remind you to do this very often, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If that's iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else, make sure you're subscribed. Give us a follow on Twitter as well. That's the best way to interact with James or myself, at Jake underscore NFL, at James Rapine at Locked On Bengals, your three Twitter accounts to follow. We really appreciate all of that support. If you're new to the show, welcome. Today we're going to talk about a couple of social media updates, James. We didn't talk about Tyler Boyd's tweet yesterday trying to recruit, I put in air quotes, J.J. Watt to the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow's post on Monday, teasing fans, coming soon. He's he's just trying to get people excited for his rehab, but let's start with the Tyler Boyd tweet because I think this is a quick conversation. He just tags JJ Watt in a tweet and says, Hey, let's get it done in Cincinnati. And I look at that tweet and I kind of laugh and I'm like, Hey Tyler, you know, good for you, man. But, uh, that's a long shot, but it is right. It's, I would love it first. I, you know, if you could add a guy like JJ Watt and somehow keep Carl Lawson and obviously there, there's a tie with DJ reader and that might be the key. Have DJ reader recruit him. Unfortunately, I don't think that's enough, right? To, to get JJ Watt to the queen city. And it would, it would probably take a, a lot, a lot of money, uh, that you'd have to fork over to the 32 year old to get him on board because odds are he's going to end up in what green Bay, Tampa Bay, maybe Pittsburgh, even though I think it's less likely, but one of these contending teams that on paper uh, look like contenders. Hell, even uh, the people in Cleveland are hoping he ends up in in the AFC North just on the Browns. So who knows where he ends up, but uh, I do like Tyler Boyd's effort, and I do think recruiting could help them in free agency, just maybe not in this situation. I just thought it was kind of funny. It is interesting, though. You're right. Every single AFC North team besides the Bengals is on the list of teams that seems to be interested in J.J. Watt. And you're also right that he's still a very good player. There are definitely injury concerns for a team like this that, you know, they have to decide. Are we really going for it this year or are we trying to build up for one more year, make a playoff push and then really try to go for it in year three with Joe Burrow? Still on that rookie deal for a few more years. J.J. Watt this year projected by PFF to get a two-year, $12.5 million per year deal. And honestly, that seems really cheap for J.J. Watt. I think that he can still play at a really high level, but the risk is the injury stuff. He's, in his last five years, played full seasons about 40% of the time. And that uh, that certainly gives me pause when I'm thinking about how I'm allocating resources. But I guess you could make the same argument for Carl Lawson just with, with regard to injury history. But I don't think J.J. Watt's coming to Cincinnati. Probably not worth going into that a whole lot more at this point. But if there's more smoke, James, 
hey, I'm happy to talk about J.J. Watt to Cincinnati. Joe Burrow also put up on Instagram today, James, a little picture of himself doing some warm-up, saying coming soon, taking some steps perhaps in his rehab process, reminding his fans, hey, I'm still going to be there. I'm going to play football next year. And at the same time, as he's building hype, I read the PFF QB annual today, James, and there is just a ton of information in there, 10 pages of data on each NFL starting quarterback, including Joe Burrow, some really interesting data tidbits. And it comes out on the same day that Joe Burrow gives us a fun taste of the future. Loved it. Love the picture. I know fans loved it. And it's a reminder that he's going to start throwing this month. Heck, maybe he threw today, and that's why he put it out there, got cleared to throw. Who knows? He's going to be running on the underwater treadmill this month as well. So that's just steps in the right direction. And I think that was his way, that post. of Because last month he said all of those things, right? And we covered it on, on Locked on Bengals here. But that's his way of letting everyone know, hey, I'm on track still. We're still I in week one. I'm going to be there, and hopefully he can build on what was a, a really stellar rookie campaign over 10 games, and the, the PFF annual does a, a good job of describing that and showing that. There's some areas of his game that obviously need to improve, but as PFF has pointed out consistently this season, Joe Burrow was fantastic in the 0-20 to 20 yard part of the field. He was much better than average in terms of accuracy, which they chart painstakingly is the ball thrown to the frame of the receiver did it hit them in stride Joe Burrow very good in those parts of the field and obviously as we've talked about quite a bit struggled in the 20 plus yard part of the field so we'll see if that improves in year two that's just one of the many pages of data we get out of the PFF QB annual we can also see that he had better than average accuracy numbers generally speaking And the one place that maybe he was a little bit worse than average was some of his throws ended up a little bit behind his receivers, just something that he can work on. But every quarterback has areas where they are average or behind average in terms of their accuracy charting. Some quarterbacks throw a few more passes high than others. Some quarterbacks are throwing guys too far ahead. And Joe Burrow just happened to have the the one little flaw of, a little bit behind, not too far behind. He was actually really good in that area. And this is probably starting to get lost on people, but they've got it all color coded in this really cool graphic. So I I suggest you check it out. A couple of my favorite things here, James, a couple of other data points that I thought were really interesting. If you had to guess, what route do you think Joe Burrow threw the most on third downs in 2020? Oh, on third downs. I don't know, for for the sake of just saying, I'll say slant, but I didn't put a lot of thought into it, and it's probably not the case. Slant was actually second. You're, you're really close. The, the most oh. common route that Joe Burrow threw on third downs, according to the PFF QB annual, was a go route or a vertical route of some sort. I'm not sure if it's necessarily a, a go or if that also includes seams. I, I assume that it would include seam passes, but 18.4% of Joe wow. Burrow's third down throws going to the vertical route 13.8%. So 5% behind are those slants, which came in second. Third was an out route at 12.6 and fourth was a curl at 10.3%. That's the kind of data you get from the PFF QB annual. Pretty cool, huh? Really cool. And that, that 18% uh, on the go, it would be nice if he had another player 
that could win downfield in those situations, right? It would just do him wonders. So when you see pro football focus say, oh, Jamar Chase or Jalen Wilder or one of these guys, that's why, because it, it could really benefit a guy like Joe Burrow. And the other reason that PFF is talking about getting him a, a weapon that's going to get more separation, get open more readily, is that Joe Burrow was way, way above average on number of throws into tight or closing coverage by their definitions and way below average on throws to open receivers in terms of just number of throws to open receivers, not in his performance on those throws. So another reason that, hey, maybe that weapon does make sense despite how promising the two guys you have in the wide receiver room and Tyler Boyd and T Higgins are for this team. A lot more to get into in this PFF QB annual. We're going to try to get a guest on to talk about some of these numbers and try to extrapolate on the meaning more than James and I can just by looking at the raw data, maybe get some comparators from the experts at PFF. So look forward to that coming your way in a future episode. Coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit about the report that Taylor Moten might be franchise tagged in Carolina and what that means for the Bengals offseason plan as far as it pertains to the offensive line. We're going to wrap up the show then with a fun segment, James. We're going to talk about the free agents that we think are least likely to sign with the Cincinnati Bengals in the spirit of that Tyler Boyd, J.J. Watt tweet. Coming up next, though, more offensive line talk as you're used to on the Locked On Bengals podcast. This episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. They've got the NBA rolling, college basketball, and NHL all in full swing. And maybe you're primarily an NFL better and you want to find another way, something else you're an expert in to put your bets in. They've got betting on TV shows and reality TV too with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, including... NFL draft odds and props. We've got first pick of the 2021 NFL draft. If you, for some reason, are convinced that Urban Meyer is going to go after the OSU kid in Justin Fields, well, you can get great odds, 12 to 1, if you think that somehow Trevor Lawrence will not be the first pick in the 2021 NFL draft. You can check all the odds out at betonline.ag. And right now, when you sign up for free, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit Go check them out. BetOnline.ag, promo code locked on for that 50% bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Jake and I have talked a lot here on Locked On Bengals about offensive line attacking that weakness in free agency. And one of the guys, Jake, obviously that we've talked about a ton, I think you ended up signing him a couple of weeks ago when we did the GM simulator was Taylor Moten. The Carolina Panthers tackle, plug-and-play right tackle would be an instant upgrade. You wouldn't have to move Jonah Williams entering his prime years. There's many, many reasons why he would fit the Bengals' window. Unfortunately, the Bengals might not get a shot at him. According to Jason Lock and Four of CBS Sports, the Carolina Panthers plan on franchise tagging Taylor Moten if they can't get a deal done. I'm not shocked by this. I think it's 
it, it would be a smart move by Carolina, especially a team like the Panthers that seems to be in the quarterback market, right? You want to keep that quarterback upright. But it is a bummer because I think he was the second best tackle uh, that was set to hit free agency behind Trent Williams, and he's younger than Trent Williams. He fills uh, a need and was would arguably be a better fit for the Bengals than Trent Williams. So it, it stinks to see that he might not hit the market. He was the best fit. He would be getting a second deal. He's going to be 27 in the 2021 season. So he's got youth on his side. He's got a great track record. He's been very good for the last three years. But it also makes a ton of sense for Carolina to keep him. This is something that maybe we didn't ever talk about enough. Maybe we gave people the wrong impression that he would definitely be available in free agency. But there was always a chance that Carolina would try to retain him. And if you're the Bengals and you have Taylor Moten on your team, then you have like $15 million in cap space or so, or whatever it is that Carolina has before they make any cap cuts, then you would definitely want to keep Taylor Moten. And Carolina does have cap space. It's, it's not that they don't have space to make this happen. They do have a number of free agents this year. They've also got Russell Okung, who played their other tackle position as a free agent to deal with. He's 33 years old, only played 406 snaps in 2020, 257 snaps in 2019. So has had some durability issues the last couple of years. I'm sure if I'm Carolina, I'm not as in a rush to get Russell Okung back as I am to get Taylor Moten back. So if that happens, that kind of lowers your target significantly at the tackle position. We both assume, I think, that the Bengals will not be in on Trent Williams, that he's going to probably try to go to a contender at his age, also 33 in the 2021 season, PFF projecting him to get a four-year, $20 million per year deal with a ton of guaranteed money. Somebody is going to back up the truck and pay Trent Williams a ton of money in a signing bonus when they sign him. That is not the Bengals' way. So if it's not Trent Williams, it's not Taylor Moten, we just talked about the injury issues for Russell Okung, should they be just looking to the NFL draft in Penny Sewell? Well, coincidentally, I know we're talking about PFF a lot today, but they put out a really cool article talking about what the Chargers and the Bengals should do this offseason on the offensive line. And it points out that, and, and you can look at last year's rookies as an example, a lot of times it takes a couple years for offensive linemen to really perform at above average levels or higher in the NFL. And that's the problem. That's the dilemma. That, that's the hard part. I, I do think the Bengals should be all in on Trent Williams, uh, but you're right. The, the Realistically, do I think Mike Brown's willing to to pay a huge signing bonus and potentially sign a 33-year-old that has had a, an injury past to a four-year $80 million deal. This is the same guy that let Andrew Whitworth walk, and that was a three-year $36 million deal. And I know Whit was older, but the point remains. So um, I, I think that Pro Football Focus points out uh, and makes an interesting point, and I think it's one that a lot of fans – Right now, they just assume if you draft Penny Sewell, he's going to be the solution right away. And that might be the case at left or right tackle, depending on where you play him. I assume it would be left tackle. But why not go after a Daryl Williams from the Bills, right? Let's say Moten gets franchise tagged and you're not in on, on, on Okung because uh, of injuries. Villanueva got beat like a drum by Carl Lawson. I don't think he's even in that mix, even though a lot of people have him getting big money on the open market. Get a guy who can be 
a stopgap, and then draft a tackle, maybe fifth if Sewell's there. If not, and you don't trade down, then in the second round or the third round and get a guy that you can develop, that can grow, and and potentially be that tackle of the future. I, I think that's part of it here. Um, th- they absolutely have to address offensive line in the draft, but I think they have to go with proven commodities and pay veterans to to keep Burrow upright in 2021 because you don't want to be banking on a bunch of 20 to 22 year olds to come in and be significant upgrades so I think that's what they need to do they need to do both so they don't run into this awful situation that they have over the past five years where they lose a couple of guys in free agency and suddenly their offensive line is just awful yeah that's exactly it it needs to be a dual prong approach they need to get to average. And we talked about this a lot on this podcast as well, because the difference, as this article on PFF points out, between elite and average offensive line play is a lot less significant in terms of impact to your quarterback, impact to your offense, than the difference between average and poor. If you have a poor offensive line, you're no longer functional. If you have an elite offensive line, maybe you can do a few things that the team with the average offensive line can't, but it's much less of a handcuff than, than the other step. Even if it's the similar difference, right? In skill from average to poor elite to average, you just got to get to average in the NFL. And, and the reason that you can't rely on Penny Sewell to come be that guy, even if they get him is, you know, you just got to go as far back as Andrew Thomas, who came into the league just a little bit older than Sewell was seen as this excellent offensive tackle prospect in a class full of excellent offensive tackle prospects in 2020. And he came into the NFL and gave up 57 pressures as a rookie. He, he graded worse than Bobby Hart would have graded for PFF. And I, I get it. He was playing left tackle. Bobby Hart's a right tackle. Hakeem Adenergy right in that same ballpark in pass blocking grade as a rookie. And, and that doesn't mean Hakeem Adenergy has this incredibly bright future necessarily it just means that maybe he does it just means that it takes time especially for these young guys and Penny Sewell yeah he was winning at a young age in college and he was dominant at 18 17 years old and that's amazing and and he could come into the NFL and do exactly what Tristan Wirfs did or what Jedrick Wills did in pass blocking although Jedrick Wills had his own issues in in run blocking for the Browns maybe he does that or, or maybe not but if you put all your eggs in that basket, that's just a big gamble with your your franchise quarterback coming off that knee injury. So, you know, we talked a lot about Joe Tooney, James. Mm-hmm. I really like the idea of going out and getting Joe Tooney. It's, it's really starting to build momentum in my head because of how deep this tackle class is. The fact that you can maybe go get a guy like Daryl Williams, maybe get a tackle in the second round, and that's your tackle of the future while you've, while you've got a stopgap. And, the other thing is, and, and people might hate this idea, if you improve the other four positions and Bobby Hart is your worst offensive lineman, you literally can get away with that. That is not the worst thing in the world if Bobby Hart is your hole. The problem is he's just not right now, and so there, there, that's a lot, of, a lot of steps to get there. But if Joe Tooney is one of those guys that you add, maybe there's a world where you end up living with Bobby Hart at right tackle. I'm not saying that's ideal, but but maybe there's a world where that can be an average offensive line. And maybe you, you do go after Ocon or Okun. You, you know, you go after a 33-year-old who's, yeah, he's dealt with some injuries, but he's clearly an upgrade. 
and you can sign him to a short-term deal and he can be that band-aid while you're developing whatever tackle you end up getting right in round two, if that's the case. Because honestly, if the draft were today, I would bet against Sewell being their fifth overall. And I know he's falling in, in all these mocks to five. And I just, I don't see it happening. Again, Andrew Thomas, four, right? And people are saying how Sewell's this once in a generation type talent, and maybe he ends up being that. I think it just takes one team. And I could see multiple teams in the top four potentially looking at him. So we'll see. But I, I think they have options, and it's really up to the Bengals to get creative here and how they do it. And if they do it from a two-prong approach, as you put it, I think that's the best way to be average at a position group that has been well, well below average over the past five seasons. Up next, what free agents should the Bengals just completely leave off of their board as they get ready to hopefully be aggressive for a second straight season? Jake will give his... I will give mine. We will do that next. But first, a word from Rock Auto because rockauto.com is the place to go. Look, it's cold. It's freezing. You're dealing with a lot of snow if you're in the Cincinnati area right now. You do not want to get stranded, and rockauto.com can keep you on the road. It doesn't matter what you're looking for, from windshield wiper fluid to something serious like uh, filters or, or anything you need for your car. They have every single part that you need for motor oil, new carpet, engine control models in one spot. All you got to do is go to rockauto.com, check out their parts from over hundreds of manufacturers. I've used them. You should use them too. And the best part of all, it's convenient. You don't have to mask up and go to the big box store. You can search from the safety of your own home and have the parts delivered right to you and save money doing it. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. James, we spend a lot of time talking on this podcast about free agents or draft picks or whatever that the Bengals should go after. We haven't spent much time talking about the guys that we would avoid necessarily, some of the red flags out there. And this was just sort of a funny idea that, that well, I thought it was funny, that we talked about a little bit yesterday. We're talking about some of the least likely free agents to sign with the Cincinnati Bengals. And it goes both ways. One way is, you know, the Bengals aren't going to have any interest in the guy. The other way is there's no way that Juju Smith-Schuster is going to sign for the Cincinnati Bengals <laughs> or Antonio Brown is going to come play for the Cincinnati Bengals or Jeremy Hill is going to come out of retirement and play for the Cincinnati Bengals. And so that sort of started this whole conversation of let's talk about the free agents that the Bengals are not going to sign. And there's a few positions that you can wholesale put on the list. I don't think they're going to go get one of the free agent safeties, for example. And it's a really, really good free agent safety class. The Bengals won't be in that market. 
Who's on your list, James, for the guys besides Juju, besides Antonio Brown, besides Jeremy Hill, that are guys that you think either don't want to come to Cincinnati or the Bengals just should not be in on? Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> but right, that but that that falls under running backs. I don't think they're going to be in the running back market, at least when it comes to free agency. Another one, and this is one, I think this is the one, Jake, and it's not just mine, that kind of spurred this segment. Can you imagine Zach Taylor trying to coach and just, I don't know, not even discipline, but just coach Richard Sherman? That ain't happening. And I know some Bengals fans are like, oh, you could let William Jackson the third walk and Richard Sherman maybe go get him. I could never see that. I would never because Richard Sherman is just such a, a straight shooter. He's got a Super Bowl ring. Uh, it's I would be shocked if that was even a remote possibility because it just does not line up. Philosophies don't line up. I don't think styles line up. I don't think any of it lines up. And uh, I wouldn't be shocked at all if. Sherman gave the Bengals the uh, the Josh McDaniels treatment from 2019 and just politely turned them down if they did make the call. Yeah, that's right. I forgot that's how this started because we were talking about Richard Sherman and how he might be the best corner on the market. And we were looking at William Jackson and being like, oh, who actually is the best corner? And it was, well, maybe the Bengals will go do a two year deal for Richard Sherman. Can you imagine Richard Sherman on this team? Just, just with his public presence and, and his track record of, of playing for almost exclusively high-end contenders or, or teams that at least have designs of being there, franchises that have rich histories and, and big payrolls generally every year. I mean, Seattle in the playoff conversation a lot, San Francisco in the playoff conversation a lot. And at this point in his career, I mean, Sherman's still going to get pigs. He's still good. But that was that was a funny one. That was one that I definitely couldn't see. A few others I think that we've talked about are some of these edge guys that that scare me off for for one reason or another. Some guys that I just think have enough red flags that I'm not necessarily there and some guys that are going to make really big money. So one of those is is Matt Judon from from Baltimore. I think that he's going to get way more money than the value he provides as an edge rusher. Another one of those, he had a breakout year this year. Trey Hendrickson from the Saints, 26 years old, had a great year. And I just, I mean, he had a lot of sacks, but I just don't know if, if that is necessarily indicative of, of what's to come for a guy like Trey Hendrickson. And I think it's another one where the price tag is going to be quite high. And, and one last one, James, before I throw back to you, going back to wide receiver really quick. Will Fuller is a guy that on paper might make a lot of sense for the Bengals. He's mm-hmm. got great speed. They need a deep threat. He would be a very good complimentary piece if he didn't come with any baggage. He's got the PED sus- uh, suspension. He's got the the injury history, the, the difficulty staying on the field. And as as someone who doesn't know enough about the situation, I guess, there's just enough red flags there where for, for the money I think Will Fuller is is poised to make, I, I just don't know if I'm in there. If it's, if it's a deal, though, and I'll put this caveat out there for Fuller, if it's a deal, then maybe I am interested. If he's below market value because of those red flags, then that gets really interesting. Sure. If you can get him at four, four years, 36, right? Like nine million per, 
But like you're seeing numbers out there where he's making 15, yeah. 12 to 15 per. And they, like that's that's scary. And that's that's one of the guys I was in on. I thought Fuller and that would have been the pick back in 16 if he was there. I'm 100 percent convinced of it. And and obviously he was drafted early and earlier and uh, has had an up and down career to say the least in Houston, but uh, obviously can take the top off of a defense. I agree with you there at that, that market value. But football wise, it does fit if for some reason his market isn't what we expect it to be. I'll give you two more. And one is uh, is really just for you so I can see your reaction. Levante David has been great in Tampa Bay. I think he's pro football focuses, eighth-ranked free agent, but he's a 30-year-old linebacker. And I think a lot of people would rejoice if the Bengals paid someone like Levante David, who uh, it, it obviously is really, really good, can cover, helped, uh, you know, shut down Travis Kelsey, not shut him down because he had, ended up having a lot of yards, but really was a big part of that Buccaneers defense. But that's not a guy I'm in on. It's strictly position wise, how much money he's going to cost. It just it doesn't make sense specifically for a team like the Bengals in their window. And then another one. And you mentioned safety at the top, but I just got to mention it because, you know, someone is going to bring him up because he's a big name. Earl Thomas. Pass passing on Earl Thomas. And uh, he, he's at the bottom of PFF's uh, 150 top 150 free agents list. But, you know, he's going to land somewhere after taking a year off. I'm not in on bringing Earl Thomas to Cincinnati. I just don't. That's another guy that kind of falls under the Richard Sherman umbrella. Can you really imagine Zach Taylor getting the most out of a guy like Earl Thomas? I couldn't. Man, you think people are going to bring up Earl Thomas? I do. Oh, yeah. He's a big name. Names matter, man. Names about, matter. We're, we're like two years removed from, you know, T.O. still getting photoshopped in Bengal stripes. What are you talking about? How about Patrick Peterson then? I actually, I would be open to that. I, I mean, I it, it, now if you keep William Jackson the third, it doesn't make sense. But if you suddenly find yourself in the cornerback market and Jackson signs somewhere else, but that's a band aid, right? I mean, you'd still have to draft a corner, you know, first four rounds probably to to start developing. What, what do you think? You, you think Patrick Peterson's a no no? Yeah, yeah. With that with that suspension he's got and the and the fall off thereafter. Ah. Uh. Yeah, I, I forgot. So he yeah he was suspended and then he came back mm-hmm. and then he got torched. Right? He was not very good in twenty twenty. One year deal, Tampa Bay, two million bucks. <laughs> I, I have every veteran going to Tampa Bay. JJ Watt, Patrick Peterson, who else? Well, you got to start throwing some of them up in Green Bay and some of them to Kansas City. You know, you got to start spreading them around to all those all those trophy chasers. So I think that's a pretty good list of guys. I'm curious to hear what you guys think. Get a, get at us on Twitter, listeners. What free agents are on your do not touch list? I'll be very curious to read the replies to that one. I just think it's a fun one. I want to know who the guys are that have either red flags for you or you just do not want because of their history with the Bengals. Like Brandon Stokely, right? Remember Brandon Stokely? I'm just I'm just poking it. Old Stokely, Stokely, heartbreaker. Oh, Beginning of the t- 2009 season. That was brutal. Uh, I, I appreciate you talking about Levante David though. Uh, I, that's a guy I love. Levante David. I love Levante David. I think he's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Much the same way that I feel about Bobby Wagner. But at this point in his career, and at this point after the Bengals' investment in, in linebacker, take linebacker off the list, guys. Even if it's I, Levante David in most scenarios. I have one more for you. Um, 
And I don't know. Maybe you can make an argument that you'd want him. Is Hunter Henry a guy you'd want? Too much with money. his injury history. Too much money with that risk with the injury history. Yeah, no. I think he's going to get paid. I I do too. I mean, I, I think he can make what eleven to thirteen million per. I mean, that's that's a lot of money. I was just I was just wondering what you would think. He would be on my no no list as well. He he's a guy that like a lot of tight ends in NFL history could have a huge second contract. You look at, you know, the Darren Wallers of the world. We've talked about this a lot with tight ends because of Kyle Pitts, the the tight ends that just take some time to break out. You, you could see that from Hunter Henry. He was finally mostly healthy in 2020. I think a lot of people probably think he has a bigger ceiling than he showed. And if he can stay healthy, we'll, we'll get there. If, if we're talking tight ends for the Bengals, the obvious one, the easy one, Gerald Everett, right? The, the L.A. connection, the good athleticism, the system knowledge, the age is pretty good. He had a bit of a down year in terms of in terms of production in 2020. So maybe the price tag is a little bit lower there. So that's where I would look if they do try to go for an external tight end. But I think they feel good about C.J. Uzama coming off that Achilles, I, I think assuming that's continuing to go well for him back in Cincinnati doing his rehab. And I wish him all the best. Certainly had a great conversation with CJ Uzama two years ago on this podcast, actually. So I'm always rooting for him. Anyway, I think that's going to do it. James get at us on Twitter. Tell us the free agents. You don't want to touch this off season. And tomorrow we've got that very special guest coming up for you until then Bengals fans who day and have a good one. Hey, prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.